At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Said that awards don't mean that much to you and you're a two-time MVP frontrunner for a third MVP. Um, were you a bit surprised to go number seven in the draft? No, I will not draft myself either. I'm... I'm not meant for this game. Also rather appropriate that Nikola Jokic had to uh, wait to get drafted, given that he was famously or infamously drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. So there's that part. Um, Hi, Natalie. How are you? You look wonderful. Good to see you again. Oh, thank you. I'm well. How are you doing, Michael? I'm great. Um, I want to talk to our audience right now. I'm going to talk about Natalie now. She's right, like she's not here right now. <laughs> see, y'all got Natalie effed up. All right? Because see, Natalie, you see her with this smile, this pleasant voice, <laughs> this calm demeanor. And y'all don't know uh, this New York Jamaican like I've come to know <laughs> this New York Jamaican uh, over the course of these last few months, right? So Natalie and I talk all the time, you know, and most of the time we're talking about like show business or what have you. Uh, every now and then, you know, it'll just evolve or devolve as the case may be into some kind of debate. And I've been debating for a long time, right? I think I'm pretty decent at it. I didn't know that I would meet my match in the form of this, of this attorney, which makes sense that an attorney could out argue me. Um, and so one night, I don't know how we got on this topic. Because y'all have seen her lose her shit before. She lost it talking about Kevin Durant's shoe size. That was her coming out party on this show. So one night we talking, and we got to talking about my man, my guy, Nikola Jokic. This is how it all comes full circle. We're talking about Nikola Jokic. And we got to talk about him winning a third straight MVP. And I had to take out my AirPods and hold the phone over here because I'm like, what he, what, who hurt you? Like, what did he do to you? And seriously, watch this. So Natalie, back to you. Um, ESPN recently did a straw poll yep. of 100 MVP voters. And I believe the number is uh, 77, 77 out of 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, have Nikola Jokic as their front runner to win the Kia NBA MVP award. Yeah. Uh, and there's 23 games left. And so it doesn't seem like it's close at this point. No. So we are 23 games away from Nikola Jokic doing something that hasn't been done in nearly 40 years, last by Larry Bird. And the only other people to take home three regular season MVP awards are the aforementioned Larry Bird, Will Chamberlain, and Bill Russell, the dude whose name is now adorning the trophy. Never won three straight MVPs. Yeah. So with so with that, Natalie, how do you feel about this? How does this make you feel? I mean, everyone knows how I feel. It's absurdity, you know? And let me just say for the record, Jokic is my guy too. Like people may not believe that. This is why I hate when I feel strongly about something because 
the passion comes out of me. And from that, people draw, oh, she doesn't like him. So now I'm getting called all kinds of names, by the way, which is fine. Not by you, but like I'm just saying Twitter really? people. Oh, wait, hold on. All jokes aside, really? Of course, because anytime you say something that people a don't woman. agree. Yes. Or a woman, you know, and you're a black a, woman. Yes, in your opinion. In yes. sports. I'm, no, I know. You know what? I'm messing with you, but I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't know they got that serious. See, I told you. No, I'm not it's, it's I didn't know okay. That serious. Okay. No, it's it's. But when I say it's okay, it's it's just unfortunately what comes with the territory. So I have yeah. ways to like ignore that and you know not yeah. have it re- reach me. But you know, I feel strongly about it. And there's other things I felt strongly about where I personally am against, but. Maybe I defend a position because that's the lawyer in me. I'm able to defend a position even if I don't necessarily support it. And people are like, oh, you know, they call you, they call you names, whatever the case may be. So I actually really am a fan of Jokic. And it's so funny because I, I turn people into Jokic fans. When people were trying to tell me 80 was still better than Jokic, I was like, you guys are crazy, right? But it's just, I don't, you know, if you just look at the MVP board on an individual season basis, of course, he has a strong argument every year, as do several other players. Right. But there becomes a time and some don't agree with this. So I guess it's the philosophy on how you view the MVP. But you you start to look at it collectively over time in terms of when someone starts to receive multiple or they're receiving back to back. And I personally find it to be an issue that Jokic will be receiving his third MVP, most likely. And I and I knew he would be leading the race. I was a little shocked when I saw the straw poll because that straw poll indicated that he's clear, like that, that he's clear of yeah. everyone. Right. And head I, and shoulders. <laughs> and I didn't expect that. That was a bit much to me. But in general, to to win three MVPs in a row to me tells a story. Like if a historian is looking back on this and looking at history. That, to me, is telling a story that he dominated the league during these three years. He was head and shoulders above all the other players. And, I mean, that's just not the case. It's just not the case. It's incorrect. So, and there's also whether... Is it, though? It is. It's not correct. So, here's the thing. Having the best advanced metrics, and I'm a fan of, of analytics, so let's make that clear. I don't dislike them. But having the best analytics, the advanced at best advanced metrics doesn't mean that you were the most valuable. And in the prior two years when he won his award, a large part of the underlying argument, his play on the court was phenomenal. He's a phenomenal player. But a large part of the narrative, the argument was about how much he was doing when you look at his teammates. He dragged yeah, them. He less. did this. He did. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. in my opinion, that penalizes the players who have better teammates, because it suggests that he's doing more than them. But if you take any of those guys, Embiid, Tatum, whoever, if you take them off their teams, how much better are they going to do? Newsflash, you do not do well without your best player. So it penalizes those guys. Now, this season, he has his teammates. And they're like, yeah, look look at what he's doing. And let's award him another one. So they penalize the guys before who had the help and said, you can't get it because he's doing more with less. Now he has the help, and they're still like, okay, we're going to give it to you. And it is a departure. For whatever reason, it is a departure from the way the media has treated other players who have won consecutive MVPs. And I just think it's odd. So the last person to have a chance to do this was Giannis, and he didn't win a third. Um, I hear you. And LeBron. All, I not appreciate Well, right, but I'm saying this is the last person. Oh, the person very last person, yep. The very, the very last person that was back-to-back going for a third. And obviously, they didn't do it. But LeBron had, I think, two opportunities to go three for three. 
uh, as did Jordan, if, if, if my memory serves. First of all, I just want to say I do not appreciate you putting on your courtroom uh, voice here. <laughs> And because that's not how you said it on the phone. <laughs> well, we that's were robbed up that day. You said it to me, we were robbed up that you day. And you're not telling them the full story because you were like, "No, that's not correct. That's not what was in the past." And I was like, "No, it's absolutely like, this is what happened." I don't talk like that. First I'm all, just saying. Like okay. I'm I'm paraphrasing <laughs> you. <laughs> you may have not said it like that, but you were like telling me like, "No, no, 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 no this is not right." And I just strongly disagreed no, with you, you in that were, conversation. No. Because you were suggesting that we rewrote rules around Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Say that three times fast. You were suggesting that we rewrote rules around Russell Westbrook. That, oh, he was the first person to have this more with less argument. No, the more with less argument has been around since the beginning of time. But, but you make a good point about penalizing other great players just because their organizations put better teams around them or they have better health. Uh, fortune or didn't have the same uh, health misfortune or what have you. So that's a, that's a sound argument and you make a lot of solid points. I guess where my issue with it is is I don't know that it's the regular season MVP and this is what we were, we were talking about. Like if you want to give it to the person who is the the unofficial or the recognized best player then three four dudes would have won it throughout NBA history for the most part. You know what I'm saying? It'd have been a, it'd have been a lot of LeBron, it'd have been a lot of Jordan, it'd have been a lot of Kareem, it'd have, a lot more, I should say, uh, a lot of Wilt, a lot of Russell, Bird, Magic. Maybe they just split it. I don't know, but nobody else would win it if it were about the person standing at the end of the season with the trophy or trophies that matter, right? I don't know that you could look at somebody with the number one record in the Western Conference that's averaging a triple double from the center position. And say, oh, he can't win the award this year because you can't give him three straight. I don't care about the last two. Who's the MVP in 2022 23? And if it happens to be the same dude that was MVP in 2021 22 and 2021, so be it. Nobody's giving Nikola Jokic anything. He is taking it. And it's so funny. I feel like you're talking about dying on that MVP hill. You're talking about dying on that MVP hill. I feel like I've been beating this drum for the last three years. We've been trying to see you and I must roll in different circles because whereas you think people are are breaking their back and bending over backwards. They are to give. I think every year people try not to give this dude the award. They do. They do. That's the thing. This is a very multi-layer topic because I even think, if I remember correctly, that I made a comment on this show, this is like before I was even working here, that like part of the the push against him is because he's white. Like that's a part of it and and international. So I, it's in those- Are we still on that? Are we really not, still on that? Not now, but some of the, some of the anti him is a part of that. And so in his first, within his first MVP case, right? I do think there was a lot of that. And then the second one, I think people got more comfortable. But I actually didn't think that he should have won last year. And this year, I also don't think that he's clear of everyone. So the way that everyone speaks and makes this argument, like it's just him. The Celtics have had the best record in the NBA, not just their conference, in the NBA for the whole season. Jason Tatum is not even in the top three. He finished fourth with like a couple of votes. You know, and then it's like what are Giannis and 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 um, Embiid having pedestrian seasons? They are or, not. Or Luca, for that matter. Yeah, okay. like the way so the way so, these so, cases so are being made. Here. Yes, the there's way these here. exactly, and yeah. that's why I'm saying it's they have decided. 
first of all, in my opinion, the media picks the narrative pretty early that they like. I do. That, Who is they? Who is they? You the, can't say they no more. People, we, people, we. we well, we. yes, I am no, a part. No, no, we. You, yeah, voters. You no, you let me say, say voters. Vo- MVP the voters. Media. I am not I a voter. You're one of us. I am not a but voter. But you're one of us now. Okay. You're one of us. But I'm not a voter. <laughs> and okay. MVP voters, they love the rush triple double thing, and they love the idea of like someone getting three in a row. Oscar. Okay, but that was but that was also a departure whether you want to agree or not. Okay, it was a departure. What was a departure? It was when Russ won that it was a departure from typically a person winning MVP on a higher seeded team. I am not the only one who says this. Yes, and not even winning 50 games. That was a departure. And so when we were talking about the Russ thing that night on the phone, a triple double. I don't care because that like there were also and, and I know that's nothing now, but then I mean, come on. I don't care because they were caught up in that <laughs> versus the other great players who were MVP candidates who were not a departure. It became about the triple double. Just like right now, it feels like they're like, yeah, we like this idea of someone getting three in a row. So they're going to make the case that? fit around them. Who, no who, one, who sa- no one says that. No, so, I'm not you, saying. You, you, so, by the way, but I'm not saying that go, he's not qualified. There we go. There we go. There we go. I'm yep, not yep. saying because it, it sounds go. like I'm saying he's not deserving. If you just look at no, his no, season, no, of course he is deserving. <laughs> but, but, okay, we got. They also love. They love that it would be a third time MVP, and it hasn't been done in a while. And I feel like somebody write this. But I feel like they're not going to feel this way. I talk to people. This? No, I'm not guessing. Who, I'm not oh, guessing. Oh, you got sources. And, okay, who do, you, and, who do you talk to that would like and, to give them a third MVP because they feel like it, because they're not? No, nice. I'm not saying who, they just feel like it. I'm saying, like, that's the narrative that appeals to most. But, of course, he has the season and the stats to back it up. Like, he's oh, an incredible oh, player. Oh, he only has the season Yeah, so stats, I'm not. Right. <laughs> listen, you can do that all you want, but... It is a legitimate thing, and you're not going to make me out to be a crazy person because it no, is. No, I'm not. It's, I just want you to go crazy. It's a regular topic. <laughs> it is a thing, and you know, like salute to, to Jokic. But I think it's personally crazy whether you think we should factor in postseason or not for someone to be getting his potentially third MVP and does not yet have a Finals appearance. And maybe he will. Maybe this will be the change. But I don't think it will be. So we'll see. Well, first of all. I'm just enjoying getting under your skin and a little bit of the New York is coming out little by little. So I don't even really I, I mean, I, I, I look, I got a horse. I have a horse in this, but I don't have a dog in this fight, but I'm just enjoying trolling you. Why? Why um, is this a thing? But, but, but wait a second, but no, but like then you bring in a postseason. First of all, I, okay, I don't I have a hard time believing and if you talk to MVP voters and they've said to you, you know what? I like the idea of a third straight. I like somebody making history. This is a good story. I'm going to vote for this story or this narrative as we want to call it. Then that's fair. I'm, I'm not going to question your sources. I find it hard to believe though that the people who are voting for this MVP award are voting with the last two years in mind. I think if they're voting for Nikola Jokic, they're voting for it for him because it is undeniable. And in fact, I would venture to say that the that him winning a third straight because the, the phrase we have yet to bring up in this entire conversation, which always comes up is voter fatigue. I would venture to say that the last two work more against his candidacy than they do for him. I would say that there are more people that are tired of seeing him be an MVP than people who want to see him win three straight. 
as clearly, opposed to clearly not. And that's I'm oh, glad you just I'm, that great. No, I'm glad you brought that up. No, like he is that great, but he's not that greater than all the other candidates. I feel like the story and making that history is making them overlook the other quality candidates in the race. That's what I'm saying. And so who's your MVP? And, and hold on, hold on, hold on. One more thing I just want to point out because you made an excellent yeah. point where you say, you know, the voter fatigue. At the beginning of past seasons, like with, with Giannis, the last one, we heard voters, people go on TV, and it, we just knew that he was not getting that third MVP because they had the voter fatigue. And they, it was sort of set at the outset of the season. And when I say Jokic is being treated differently, it's because of that, because we didn't hear those same kind of things we heard with LeBron, with Jokic, with Steph, when Kevin Durant joined. It was like, oh, no, no, no. You can't get a third because this reason. It was set at the beginning of the season. With him, that wasn't set. And then he just had the open lane to get a third MVP. So when I say he's being treated differently, those are the things that I mean by he's being treated differently than past candidates. And yes, there were people who would go on TV and say things like that. You're not going to get me to call out names right here like that now. No, I'm not looking have. for names. Yeah. I'm not looking for names. And uh, listen, I told you, you got to guard your ear gates and eye gates from stupidity. Although we may address some of it later on in the show. Uh, but no, it's like I don't I, I guess I just maybe I'm, I'm not in these Twitter streets the way you are. Maybe I'm not listening to certain people because I don't not really just care Twitter. I'm people. talking about media and voters as well. Well, I mean, but media and voters are on Twitter as well. Yeah, I, I don't mean I'm, I, I'm saying not just okay. NBA Twitter, but just yeah. basketball community in general that I know you're entrenched in. I'm saying I like if somebody says something that makes it feels like there's a double standard at play or there's different rules at play for Nikola Jokic. I don't I think you know what I think it is. I think he's got incredible stats on the best team in the Western Conference and a lot of people have been hurt this year. Your man Steph Kevin Durant. A lot of people have missed quite a bit of time who otherwise would have would have potentially challenged him. But like I was asking you a second ago and I get the nuance. I get the overall nuance all jokes aside all trolling aside. I get the overall nuance of your point, which is that he's deserving but he's not so deserving that he's far and away the runaway favorite versus everybody else in the league. That's where your frustration comes in along with what you perceive to be a different set of standards being set for this two time MVP as opposed to others. I disagree, but I hear your point. Having said all that, if you were voting right now, who are you voting for? And you better not say Jokic. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But okay. like to me, and I've already said earlier on the show that like Tatum to me, Tatum? in the beginning of the season would have been the front runner. But I do think like Giannis, well, Giannis just got hurt, but we'll see. But I do think that Giannis has come on like a really strong in the second part of the season and Embiid. And like, to me, I would just need to watch the season play out a little bit more, but any one of those three probably would be the person getting player getting my vote. All right. So before, before we wrap this up, like, and maybe this is the conversation we should save. So we don't go too much longer here, but like just the postseason thing. I don't care whether or not he sniffed the NBA Finals. Okay. This ain't a playoff award. But 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 Natalie, okay, you can care <laughs> about it. But what I have a problem with, okay, here's what I have a problem. I'm gonna give you a vote for purposes of this conversation. Okay. Here's what I have a problem with: a, a mythical vote. My problem is that you think the postseason should matter. It doesn't, and now you want to apply that standard to the application of this vote. No, I like, think the postseason saying, has always mattered. You don't think that it has, and I'm saying it has. To who? To whom? Voters? Yes. You can't project the postseason. You can't make a determination about the... 
when for example when you mentioned Russ for example when when if when have they given a award to somebody in the regular who, season there are based voters, on what they think they're going to do in the there postseason. are voters who have said that they do not vote for players do not have a likelihood to, to contend who have won less than 50 games that's not even someone that they would consider and then even like you know what Dirk is a really great example in the past like when he had won that when MVP he lost to the Warriors when he, right in the first round yes yeah. and then he lost and then that post conference was later it was a very awkward thing because part of the reason in that post conference the conf, like the the awarding of him winning the award part of the reason why it was later in the postseason is because inherent there's an expectation that the MVP is going to be playing deeper in the postseason. Well, Giannis Giannis got his first one from Greece, did he not? What if I recall? I, I think yes, it was. Yes, and that was part. And that was part of the reason why people were like, we're not giving him a third MVP because he did two years, got MVPs, and he was out of the postseason very early. It's inherent. Whether they do it on the front end or the back end, people take it into consideration, Mike. I'm telling you. They do. Well, if they actually actually do, they should be stripped of their vote. It's a regular (laughs) season award. It's a regular season award. And there's a difference. Now, maybe we're saying the same thing, but differently. There's a difference between a top two, maybe three seed in your conference and what you think they're going to do in the postseason. That's two different things. Now, usually those things go hand in hand. So if you're saying somebody that's a that that's one fewer than 50 games, that's a sixth, seventh or eighth seed or even a fifth seed. That's not a top four seed should not be an MVP consideration that has traditionally been the benchmark. But what but the but the way that you're saying it is well, he ain't gonna do shit in the postseason, so I'm not giving him the MVP for the regular season. That don't feel right to me. Okay. That doesn't feel right. Like it, it's like if you want to be a postseason award, then let it be a let it be an all encompassing award. This is a like debate I said. every year, like it, in terms it, it, of regular guess, season, postseason. But nowhere. Okay. It goes nowhere because it's a regular season award, and we got to live with that. And this regular season, Jokic, his team has the best record in the West. In the so West. So you were gonna deny. In the West, yeah, exactly, and, and the numbers. So there, so there's a stronger argument this year than there even was in previous this years. This year makes him. the most sense of his three, but I supported the first and I support this one. I did not support last year. Okay, okay. Well, way to keep your composure. I expected, a, <laughs> I expected another no. f bomb from you. I was, I was no. I, was, I had a, I had a, si- I had a side bet that it was going to be an f bomb. We can go to break. Um, I, had a, I had a side bet there was going to be an f bomb out of this. I was no. like, no, you think she. You think she lost no. it about Kevin Durant's shoe size? <laughs> Wait till we talk about this no. Serbian. I was prepared. You know? I prepared for you today. I saw your feed. I knew what you was trying to Man. do. You be got you, be, you got these people fooled. You got you, got, you be cold switching. You got the, you got the corporate voice, corporate presentation. Then you come on come online cussing and whatnot. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. 
It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. They have a lot of good components. There's a lot of things that are very positive about the Jets. He had a great trip. So it's it, it's honestly, it's, it's going to be a long process, though. There's He really only has the Saints, the Raiders, and the Jets to kind of compare those three places. Right. And so he wants to do his due diligence and see as many places as he can to get a feel for what the best place for him will be. NFL.com's uh, lead draft writer. Is it official? Is it NFL.com or NFL Media? How should I say that? I always. I think. Yeah, I've been told NFL Media. I don't. I don't think you get scolded yeah. if you say the other ones. That's <laughs> okay. fine. But just I want to be fine. respectful. NFL Media's lead draft writer Eric Edholm is here with us. Um, so, go on and go inside this car process, and uh, I can't resist. Which team wants a used car? Um, <laughs> but see. David Carr talking about Derek taking his time here, and I respect it. I mean, this is a huge life event, as they say in Human Resources, Natalie. Life-changing event, whatever. You know, he's he's moving to a different place for the first time. He's probably still processing his release from the Raiders and how things fell apart. I get taking your time, wanting to make sure you set up the right situation, but those are two teams that have a clear need at quarterback and can be in contention with a quarterback. Um, there's another quarterback, a certain quarterback who's now in a, who's still in a dark place, I guess. And I don't know if he's, if we've seen smoke, if he's come out with his, if he knows what he's going to do. But like, if you're Derek Carr, this should be the opposite of a long process, should it not? Shouldn't you do this expeditiously and 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 pick one of these teams so that you have your pick of teams, and you don't have to compete with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you have the chance uh, to be the first domino, if you will, for Derek Carr. And it's going to be a fascinating quarterback landscape this entire offseason, as you mentioned. I mean, kind of the the Roger, you know, is there another veteran that's let go? We don't know. Uh, you have four-ish draft prospects who could be first-rounders who, you know, are, are part of the equation farther down the line. But, yeah, it, part of the beauty of him opting out or, you know, getting uh, released, essentially, um, is the ability to pick first, right, and firing that first shot. You get to land in, in a place that you choose, obviously, but also it prevents another team from getting excited about the possibility of somebody else joining them. And you mentioned the four fifths. I mean, I, you know, I guess you could throw Carolina in there. Uh, potentially, you could throw Indianapolis in there if they want to continue to go the the uh, the retread quarterback route. What um, what are what's your if you were advising Derek Carr, what would you tell him? Like, hey man, stop messing around. This is a team, and this is a situation for you. Yeah, I mean, if I'm his agent, I'm thinking money, right? I mean, obviously that that's going to be a big factor, but you never want to sign a contract. Uh, for a little bit more money that may end up being a dead-end situation or, or somewhere that could, uh, you know, significantly hinder your your progress or anything. I mean, you know, Derek's probably on the back nine of his career. I think he obviously, obviously had a, you know, a good run in, in Oakland slash Las Vegas, but uh, it's important for him to land a really good spot, and the Jets offer a lot of appeal. I mean, defensively, they're coming off, first of all, a great draft for both sides of the ball, but yeah. offensively, 
They have almost everything besides the quarterback. You could argue tackles the need. Maybe they need to refine tight end a little bit, get some more depth in the backfield. But goodness, I mean, I can't think of too many spots offensively that, you know, that that are more appealing right now. The Saints are a little bit of an unknown. I would Carolina's, say the Saints. And, and, that's, and that's, not my New Orleans, that's not my New Orleans roots. And that's not okay. because it's Mardi Gras. But, right. I, I mean, honestly, I think just knowing that town, knowing that community, knowing that fan base, it's like, yeah. Ironically, he doesn't have to be the Saints savior the way New York would need him to be. Um, I mean, listen, Derek has been through a lot. I know there are statistics to support the lack of support that he received all those years with the Raiders on defense and special teams. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, he couldn't handle New York. I mean, who's to say we've never seen him in New York, but New Orleans. There's such a a different type of love affair. Don't don't mistake it. It's there's passion there. And that fan base oh, yeah. can be harsh, but I think they would embrace him in a way that he needs to be embraced right now in a different way than I think New York might. Um, they got a, a, a good veteran defense. They've got a young stud wide receiver or wide receivers. We'll see about what happens with Kamara. Uh, obviously, there's a Dennis Allen familiarity. So now I go to New Orleans. Hell, I don't know how they got. He must not have had the right gumbo because I have no idea how, how they left New Orleans in the first place. What I'll sign in a deal, Natalie. Yeah, I mean, New Yorkers get such a bad rap, huh? Um, <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a fan base like the Jets would actually really embrace him, but both seem like really great destinations. I'm curious, Eric, it sounded like you were about to say, like, the, the Saints could be a fit, but do you, like, if you if you had to pick, or like Mike said, if you were advising him, is it the Jets? Is that where you think he should go? Mike makes great points about the Saints and their fan base and, you know, how they can they can, uh, you know, wrap their arms around a quarterback. Drew Brees is the obvious example. I mean, I think in 2006, when Brees went there, Saints fans were just excited that someone chose them. I mean, for a long time, they were just ignored and it was a bit of a lucky thing. Right. But this would be a different situation, I think, obviously, but because the Saints have had sustained success for the last 15 plus years. But they're obviously in a spot right now where, you know, they paid for having Breeze on the roster and now they're going to have to keep kicking the can down the road and make tough decisions on Michael Thomas and, you know, whoever else. They've already started restructuring guys like Eric uh, McCoy. Um, But yeah, if if they can find a way to come up with an offer that's competitive, I think it would be fantastic to see him with, you know, Olave and, and the, you know, at least the parts of a good offensive line plus Kamara, you know, before we know what his potential discipline might be after the the legal trouble. Yeah. Well, let me ask this. I know that he would have more responsibility on the Jets, but do you think he's capable of taking that on and and succeeding? Yeah, the Jets would really be a fascinating situation. I mean, I think, you know, obviously the defense is really taking strides, you know, and Robert Salah has done a nice job putting this team together. They just added Nathaniel Hackett to his offensive coordinator. I realize that, you know, mm. there there are there are some car ties there as well. Uh, his quarterback coach, for instance, worked with him in Oakland, Todd Downing. But, uh, you know, Hackett, even after the last season when he was Broncos head coach and it was a, you know, abject failure, still respected as an offensive guy and still considered one of the close allies of Aaron Rodgers. It really is going to come down to, are there enough people in the building who can support bringing on Rodgers for arguably more money and obviously some kind of compensation as well. 
it, it will be fascinating. Carr has to be considered a possibility there. But when you hear his brother saying, hey, we're going to slow down and take our time on this, you wonder, you know, are, is he their first yeah. choice or is are the Jets his first choice? So uh, speaking of choices, uh, today is the first day that teams to play tag. And let me tell you, the non-exclusive tag ain't it. Right. The non-exclusive tag ain't it when it comes to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson because I'm not letting nobody in my business. That relationship and, and uh, you know Natalie dug up some uh, uh, some 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 posts that, that Lamar has since deleted. Uh, what you say, Natalie? Nothing's ever deleted. Um, but <laughs> you know, I, listen. That relationship is 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 it's difficult enough. It's in a tough enough place without inviting somebody else to come in and poison it any further. If it is poison at this point. And so if I'm the Ravens, it's like, nah, man, you, you know, like you're playing for us. We'll continue to try to get a long term deal done or we'll do we'll do it year to year if we have to. But there's no way I'm letting somebody else influence because because it, it correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, the non exclusive tag Eric and a team negotiating with Lamar that, to a, con a contract that the Ravens choose not to match and then they could either accept the two first round picks or trade for whatever they negotiate. That's not the only way he can be traded. They can do a, an, an, an exclusive franchise tag, more, exclu more expensive exclusive franchise tag, and still, just like the Texans did with Deshaun Watson, say, you know what, we give you permission to talk to these teams because we've already right. worked out draft compensation for them. So if they have to go their separate ways, they can still do it with the exclusive franchise tag, correct? I believe so. Yeah, I, I, I'll have to double check on that, but I believe that is the case, right? In normal circumstances, the exclusive tag means he's ours. We've got him. We decide what we're going to do with him. Uh, you pay a little bit more, as you pointed out, but to have that total control, that's that's where your money goes. If you do the non-exclusive tag, he's technically still a free agent, although under control by you. You have what I think seven days to match or something like that. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's that's really the situation. How do they play? This is going to be fascinating. And look, they've left the door open for the possibility of a trade. But I think it's clear that their preference is, you know, at least to keep him for the one year possibility. And, and yeah, yeah, I mean, that that really is where we're at right now. So oh, I'm sorry, Natalie, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to just say, well, I didn't I'm just curious. Outside of Lamar, who else are you paying close attention to, you know, now that today's the first day, um, you know, that teams can franchise tag their players? Who who are you paying close attention to? Obviously, Lamar is the big one, but who else? Right. Yeah. I think some of the other ones that are going to be interesting would be, you know, do the, the Chiefs consider tagging Orlando Brown? You know, they made a trade with the Ravens to get him. You know, the, the results, I think, were obviously positive in the sense that they won a Super Bowl with him. But uh, some people questioning whether, you know, he's worth sort of franchise money at that spot or you maybe you let somebody else. You know, obviously, you just stay on the Ravens, too, with uh, um, blanking Marcus Peters, the corner. Uh can't tag two players, so, you know, he's going to be one that possibly slips through. And Jesse Bates, I don't think we'll get the tag in Cincinnati. I don't know that for a fact or anything. This is just my speculation. But a player who very quietly, I think, held a, a big value to Lou Anarumo's defense and, you know, could end up playing center field for somebody else next year. And what is the effect of a team that, you know, has, has made two deep runs in the playoffs the last two years that put more of the onus on guys like Joe Burrow, et cetera. So those are a couple names that I'll definitely be be focused in on. Hey, uh, one more thing before we get you out of here. Speaking of the Chiefs, obviously history was made at the Super Bowl. 
with uh, two black quarterbacks facing off for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Uh, and uh oh, yep. History has made the Super Bowl with two black quarterbacks facing off for the first time, and I, I, I we witnessed in the last two days or so a great moment in black history that I want to draw everybody's attention to when it comes to black quarterbacks. Uh, it is silly season, as you know, as, as the draft expert that you are. There was a report that the Cowboys are intrigued by C.J. Stroud. Now, here's the great moment in black history. What is the biggest knock on C.J. Stroud that for many he put to rest in the semifinal game against Georgia? And that is, is he athletic enough? Right. <laughs> now, I was like, wait a second. That was like, they're asking if the brother can run. Yeah. I mean, we have come a long way. <laughs> is Amazing. he athletic enough? Does, does he have the improvisational skills? But I'll just thought I was talking to somebody because Justin yeah. Fields, when he was at Ohio State, Justin Fields did not show himself to be anywhere near the runner that he is for the Chicago Bears when he was That's in right. college. I didn't know he had it like that. CJ Stroud, people wonder if he's just a pocket pass, if he can improvise, if he can play off schedule, yada, yada, yada. If Fields had played the way he plays now at Ohio State, or if Stroud had displayed the athleticism that I'm told that he does have in his repertoire at Ohio State, it'd be held against him. So I just had to get that <laughs> off my chest. Having said that, this Cowboys thing is completely out of BS, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, they can they could look at him and say there's there's something really interesting there, and they'd be right. And, and you're right. It is funny that that we're at this point now where where a quarterback like Stroud, you can we can start questioning his athleticism. Uh, <laughs> his first touch at Ohio State, I think, was a 48 yard touchdown run. I realize he wasn't asked to do that. I know that Ohio State fans were begging, pleading, screaming, crying. Please unleash this guy. Let him get outside the pocket. And then finally in that game, they did that. And just to back up your point, one more, uh, you know, one little nugget there. Justin Fields, I think, had two 100-yard rushing games at Ohio State. So more prolific than Stroud was, but as you pointed, nowhere close to the usage that he's yeah. been asked to, to to perform with the Bears. So, yeah, this is Ryan Day's offense. There were receivers streaking open down the field. Why wouldn't you throw right. it to him? different situation in the NFL CJ will be fine in the athletic department whether it's Dallas Indy Carolina anywhere else I think he's going to be all right listen I know people down on Dak but I can't imagine a world in which the Cowboys eat whatever they got to eat to move on from Dak and move up to get uh, CJ Stroud but it's that time of year right it's all fun that's right tabloid conjecture yeah. uh, we appreciate <laughs> you Ed. Uh, Eric thank you so much man Keep up the great work uh, at NFL Media, and we'll talk to you soon. Eric, get on, ladies and Look, gentlemen. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Natalie, I'm stealing your deleted photos line. Just wanted to let you know that. So, <laughs> thank you. No, my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> See you guys. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. 
Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. You told me the other night you wanted the Brooklyn Brigade to be louder. They were loud tonight. You heard Brooklyn Bridges throughout Barclays Center. How special is it to get a win in front of these Brooklyn Nets fans before the All-Star break? Uh, it's dope, man. I was saying all in the locker room, I want to get a win so I can enjoy this little week. So I appreciate you guys, man. Won't be possible without y'all. So good to see our dear friend Megan Triffitt of the Yes Network. Uh, she covers all things Brooklyn Nets. And Megan, honestly, I'm just, for once, I'll make it about me. I just really want to see you and I want to talk to you because I want to talk about the Nets in a non dramatic, uh, non dysfunctional <laughs> tone and tenor. Because it's like everybody, including my, 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 my brother from another, Michael Holly, everybody get their jokes off at the expense of the Brooklyn Nets and how, how it all fell apart. But there's a lot of smiles around this franchise, especially today. Now that Jacques Vaughn has been signed to a contract extension. Take us inside that decision on the part of the organization, but also just the mood around the Nets that those who shall not be named have moved on <laughs> and these young guys are doing their thing. Yeah, I appreciate it, Michael. I definitely appreciate uh, you doing that for me. You know, it's the break, and so I'm back home with my family, and everyone wants to talk about drama this, soap opera this, but it really <laughs> is a good day today because, as you mentioned, Jock Bond um, signed that extension, and all credit goes to Jock. And you think about everything that he has had, had to go through these last couple of months and what he's done with this group. And you can like, you know, rewind all the way back to the beginning of the season and then to, you know, Steve Nash being let go and then Jock Vaughn having to step in and be the acting head coach and what he's able to do bringing in that stretch and bringing the guys together. And now he's in this like new era, this new chapter. And no matter who is on this roster, I have to say Jock Vaughn, when he steps in, like he just has this presence about him. And it's the same thing that Sean Mark said in that press uh, release was just that his, his character, the guys believe in him. You trust him. He represents the borough very well. He played um, for the, the New Jersey Nets. He spent seven years here with the Brooklyn Nets. And so he knows this team. He knows his organization. He knows the culture. And he knows these guys. And everyone's kind of bought in. And he's had to go through so much. And he's been the guy to kind of, like, lead them out of, out of all of the drama, as you call it. Yeah, I really... I really like this this decision, Megan. I mean, Jock has been waiting his turn for, it feels like so long. And I'm happy that they made this decision. You know, he's spoken a lot about this being the new era and these these players now, they, they wanna learn. And, you know, when I heard that, I, I agreed with him, but I was just wondering, do you think at all when he's saying like, they wanna learn, they wanna be coached, like that sort of a thing, is that just about the new players now, or is that kind of like a statement on the switching of errors, you know, because before they brought in 
not to stick too much on who has left, but they brought in the past guys and yeah. and they had much more input, I think, in, in decisions. But these are younger players, you know, they're looking to be groomed. And so they want to be coached. And do you think like that's him kind of saying like, yes, I'm here to do that and bring this into the next era? Or was it just I was just wondering if there was anything behind his comments when he said that. I think there's a there's a lot behind that comment of this is a new era because you have to think you he has to say that because for the Brooklyn Nets fans they've gone through a lot too you're you've been cheering on a different group and you know every single season someone someone has left and this year it's different and so the expectations they're still the same of we believe that we can make make it into the playoffs but it is changed a little bit the way that they're going to play is going to be different that's when he says that the new era of the game and when he says that these guys are ready to be coached, I think that is every single player. I think we kind of forget. There's only four new guys. There's only four new players. And there's so many players who have spent time with Jock Vaughn who knows who, who know Jock Vaughn. Think about uh, Joe Harris, who spent many, many seasons under Jock Vaughn, and whether he was an assistant or acting interim, now he's head coach. These guys all do really, really want to be coached, and they love the game of basketball. You've seen Cam Thomas step in, and when his number is called, he has delivered in. Royce O'Neal, this is his first season, but he's had to go through different stretches of playing minutes. And Nick Claxton has been that guy, that big, who, whether he's the defensive guy, now people are saying, could it be the defensive player of the year? He is that rim protector. All these guys want to be coached and they want to get better. And every single day, yes, they know all the outside noise has been there, but it's proven on the court. When they say step out there, they want to put the best product out there on the court and so I do think it's a little bit of a new era but it's also the, the same guys who is, it shows you the character of every single player every single coach every single person within that organization so what uh, what's the direction now they tried the super team thing or we know how that played out um, Houston's got their picks but obviously you know they got some stuff back uh, some pieces back from Phoenix and Dallas and so on and so forth um, I read where um, I forgot which team it was um, that was that was, off, that was willing to give up like four first round picks for Mikel Bridges. Like, are mm-hmm. they the Grizzlies? Oh, Memphis. It was it the Grizzlies? Oh, yeah. there you go, mm-hmm. right in right in your backyard. You can, you can break news on two on two teams. Um, but I guess, I guess, but do do they have a plan or is it just hey, let's just get to the playoffs this year uh, and see what happens? At thirty four and twenty four and currently in fifth. So what? So do they have a plan for? The long term yet, or they're still kind of, you know, I guess decompressing from the failed super team era. I think we're still processing how everything played out, and we're still going. And right now, <laughs> what's at front is this season. We're we're still thinking about what this season looks like. And the first step was we're going to tell the fans out there that Jock Vaughn's going to be our guy. He's going to be the coach that's going to lead the way and lead this charge. And then you look at who you have on your group and these developing players like Cam Thompson, Cam Thomas. And then you have Mikel Bridges. You brought Spencer Dinwiddie back and who has been the vocal leader within this locker room. And you have, you know, as I mentioned, Nick Claxton. I think that they're looking at this season, but they're looking at the season ahead. And that's how like, the new era comes about. I think we're still going to figure out what this does look like. Sean Marks had a really good quote saying that we're not retooling anything. We're just like rearranging some things. The expectations are still there. And I do think this organization is going to take a deep dive inside um, and, and talk about, okay, where did we get things wrong? How do we move forward? I still think we're, they're going to look at that as a whole internally, and we're going to figure it out as we move forward. I feel good about everything just because of how the players have constantly been able to step in and how Jock Bond and Sean Marks have had to figure out and like been those vocal leaders to figure out 
where does this go from here? I still think we're still trying to figure out what it looks like, like ahead of the future, like two or three seasons down. But for right now, they're looking at what we have left. This next couple stretches a game from all-star break. Can we make it into the playoffs with this group? And we'll see what, what where it goes after that. Yeah, I, I love this for Brooklyn, like the borough, um, being a New Yorker and, and, and watching this. It, it feels a little bit like history is repeating itself because there was that Kenny Atkinson era of the Nets with like D'Angelo Russell, and they were like a fun, young team. And now you see this team. And I got to tell you, because I'm a Warriors fan, I was not a fan of Mikel Bridges on the Suns. And I just think he's so much more likable now that he's a net. And <laughs> I love the name Brooklyn Bridges. So dope. And so he just looks like he's having a good time. Cam looks like he's having a good time. They're just like a, they look like they can be like a fun young team. And I think growing that and building that in a borough like Brooklyn could be so good for the fans connection to this team. And I want to know what your thoughts would be on that in terms of them just rebuilding and growing versus continuing to go for the super team <laughs> I, it's going to be different as you mentioned i think as you as you mentioned you're from new york area and like you know i'm new to the area and talking to a lot of brooklyn nets fans they've gone through a lot it's going to look different the one good thing about mikhail bridges I and mean, we know that he's a guy that can will always step out before he's always available which is the best thing ever that he's always available that's the best uh, availability to have but he's also from the Philadelphia area, not too far from New York City. He always, he mentioned about how he's always wanting to live in the city and now is his opportunity. He's got a lot of family and friends in the area. And we think about even bringing Spencer Dinwiddie who spent, you know, five years with Brooklyn. He even said, he even mentioned that, you know, his son was raised here and it was always a, it was always an organization and a place that we've always thought about maybe potentially coming back to. And so you're bringing these guys who have some history within the organization, within the city, within the area. Um, and so as you start this new era, it is exciting. And I, I, I understand how people can't forget. I think the grieving process, you have to give people time to grieve. We all need time to grieve over it. And this is my first season, so I'm not all the way into like how a lot of people are three years deep and they've gone through so much and so much turmoil and so many ups and downs. Give it time to grieve, but what you saw from those last couple of games before the All-Star break with these guys and that excitement, as you mentioned that, you do feel it. You do feel it in the locker room and you see this like just this young youthfulness, but it's also just excitement to play the game of basketball. They really want to make it about basketball. You want to get back to playing basketball, making it fun. And when you have guys like Mikel and Cam who have that who already have that quarter of twins, they call themselves twins. They did do everything together. They have that history. Spencer and Dorian Finney Smith played together in Dallas. They have a history of Brooklyn. Everyone knows Spencer doing when he's son when he walks around the court. Everyone's like, hey, hey, like you see that? And I do think it's going to take time, but it is exciting. I just think, give it a moment, give it a chance. It's going to be a different type of game of basketball. Because you don't have Kevin Durant, you don't have Kyrie Irving, but you have a bunch of wing players. They have the length. It's going to be defensive oriented team. Yeah. And now you're going to see all those shooters, whether, you know, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, Cam Thomas has been that guy. He does smile. He does have fun. I'm telling you, he does do that. <laughs> you're going to see that young. And so can they figure it out? Give it a couple more games for Jock Bond to figure out how to kind of work it within the system and how the pieces will kind of play out when it comes to the rotation, to the starting group. And you still have Ben Simmons too, which I have not mentioned as well, his defensive. And they got to figure out that flow and find that chemistry. So it's all there. Now you got to come to a game. I will. I will. So come, come on to Brooklyn. Michael, you too. I do think it's going to be different, but I, I'm ready to get past this break and now like see the product on the court.
And you mentioned they're going uh, for it. So like they're, they're trying to still they make believe. the post. Okay. They believe Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson said it after the last game. He was like, I he told me he really feels the energy in this group. And he said, I really do think that this is a group that can still win and can still make the playoffs. I think all that outside noise, these guys are not listening to. They understand that yeah. Kevin Durant, when you trade for a player of his caliber, you we understand all that. Like we understand what they lost, but when you get a good group together and you have good coaches centered around them, they believe that they still got it. So I, I was going to ask you because like, it's a hell of a first year. I mean, for you. <laughs> so, okay, that maybe that answers my question. I was going to say, Megan, how would you describe it? ain't even over yet. How would you describe yeah. your first season on the sidelines with the Yes Network for the Brooklyn Next? Maybe that, maybe that facial expression just now said it all. I don't, you know, because it's like, I'm sure you got a book somewhere in you about all the things you've seen and heard along the way. <laughs> I should write a book for this to be like, Yes Network has been amazing. The organization has been amazing. Yes, I've gone through a lot. There was no like tiptoe into the job in itself, but it's a good uncomfortable. I think that like where I'm supposed to be is where I'm supposed to be. And I do think I've learned a lot from this um, position. I've learned a lot from this team. I learned a lot from the players. You know, Kyrie Irving was always welcoming. It was great to cover him. It was great to cover cover Kevin Durant. And even seeing the new guys, Mikel Bridges, it feels as if I've had two seasons combined within one, honestly. Yeah. But I do think that I was meant to be here. Whether that's to be the smile and to be optimistic all the time for the fans, yeah. um, I do believe in that group. You know, I believe that the energy that is exuded out, I know that a lot of people don't get to see a lot behind the scenes. But there is so much love and fun and inner energy coming from that locker room. Honestly, regardless of who's in it, we've had so many guys in and out. But regardless of who's in it, there's been so much there. And so I'm like, look, it's a good uncomfortable. Sometimes you got to be uncomfortable a little bit to kind of like make sure you're still talk. alive. Like, okay, I still got it. I still That's I can talk. do this. Okay. <laughs> That's real talk. Hey, last thing, and this this is probably a whole other conversation, but Nat and I have had quite a few conversations about your former team. I mean, I know this is your team, but yeah. your, the former team you used to cover, and that's the Grizzlies. Um, what's your quick read on them, and and Ja in particular? It's been, shall we say, an eventful season on and off the court for that franchise. What's your read on the Grizzlies? I think this Grizzlies team is still constantly growing. I think what you're seeing is that them taking it to that next step. And that next step, when you take it to the next step, a lot of trials and tribulations come there. And you're going to get a lot of hate, and you're going to have to learn how to navigate that. And I think that's what we're seeing. But that shows me that they have it. I do think that when a lot of attention comes at you, a lot of negativity comes at you, that's when you know that you're right on the cusp. Because you guys know, it's, I don't cover <laughs> the Grizzlies, but I'm still a fan of yeah. the Grizzlies. That's home. So I still believe in this group. Taylor Jenkins is doing great. Jaron Jackson Jr., watch out for this group. I'm telling you. I need for you two to be together watching a Warriors Grizzly game. <laughs> I would watch y'all watch that game. <laughs> Brooklyn Nets I'm fans, this segment was for you, wherever you are. <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. 
Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, the ladies are running this mother tomorrow. Check out Rita and Dawn holding it down on Brother from Another. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.